Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. Let's get Raj on the call here so we can look at some exciting news. Also, my glasses are wet, so I'm going to wash them off. Oh, here we go. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> One of us is doing cool. It's pretty warm here, so... That's nice. So summer arrived. It's windy, though. Warm, but very windy. Well, that's good. It keeps the bugs down, right? I have no idea. <laughs> Actually... <laughs> now we're in full communications mode. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. Yeah, since I don't know rip lip reading or rip leading, definitely don't know rip leading. <laughs> Here we are. You are. Oh, you're ready? All right, let's go then. At three stories. Day on before coffee. Spanish police arrest four people over Vinicius Jr. effigy. Guam braces for hit from Typhoon Maywar as storm heads towards the Pacific U.S. territory. Italian government accused of exerting ruthless influence at state broadcaster. A breakthrough deal to keep the Colorado River from going dry for now. Germany's would-be spy seek license to work from home. And in the Ukraine war, Russia battles armed group in border region. Today... On a 23-23 edition of Before Coffee. Okie dokie. Let's get into our news about Spanish police have detained four people in connection with an incident in which a mannequin representing the Brazilian footballer Vinicius Jr. was hung under a bridge in January. A hate crime investigation has been opened after an effigy wearing Vinicius's number 20 shirt was hung from a bridge in front of a training ground of Real Madrid, the player's club team, along with the banner that read, Madrid hates real. 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 Well, they should have put an accent. Right. There's no accent. It just says real. So... That's what accents are for, to determine how you pronounce it. Anyways, uh, on Monday, Spanish prosecutors opened an investigation over racist chants hurled at Vinicius during a weekend match at the head of Spain's Football Federation admitted the country had a problem with racism. No way! I think uh, 200 years worth of colonialism can tell you that Spain has a problem with racism. <laughs> Uh, the prosecutor officers, prosecutor's office in the eastern city of Valencia, where the game took place, was investigating the incident as possible hate crime. As it could be. Yeah, maybe. Judicial sources say after Luis Rubiales of the Royal Spanish Football Federation called for zero tolerance. Officials, players, and former players in Brazil and Spain showed solidarity with the 22-year-old Vinicius who on Sunday considered leaving the field after the facing racist taunts from fans during Real, Mad Real Madrid's 1-0 loss at Valencia in the Spanish League. 
we have a problem of behavior, of education, of racism, Robialis said. As long as there is one fan or one group of fans making insults based on someone's sexual orientation or skin color or belief, then we have a serious problem. I wonder if they teach colonial history in Spain and then teach them, hey, don't be like this. Or they just pretend it never happened and sweep it under the rug. Really, just curious. I didn't go to school in Spain. Any Spanish watchers out there, let us know. I know Spain is off the hook in America for some reason. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, them terrible English. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> why, why, are, why is everybody in South America Catholic? <laughs> was it forced on them or did they just had a... Dip? Lindsay said it had banned one of its fans for life and was looking to identify others. The club has analyzed all the available footage, working alongside the authorities as rapidly as possible to clarify what happened. Real Madrid said strongly condemned the incident, which it believed to be a hate crime. These events represent a direct attack on the social and democratic model of coexistence. Our, our state based on rule of law, the club said. Speaking after Sunday's game, Real Madrid's Italian manager Carlo Ancelotti said the racist abuse in which Vinicius was repeatedly called a monkey highlighted how something bad is happening in this league. The Spanish league has made nine similar formal complaints for racist abuse against Vinicius over the past two seasons, most of which have been shelved. Fans have fined and banned have been fined and banned from stadiums, but so far only a Malacora supporter may end up going on trial for allegedly racially insulting the Brazilian during a game. The first trial of fan accused of racial abuse in Spanish professional football is expected to happen at some point this year in a case involving the athletic Villaboa forward Inaki Williams, who was insulted by Espanol supporter during a match in 2020. So... They... Well, I guess technically Brazil was conquered by Portugal... So, I was going to say it's Spain's fault, but it's Portugal's fault. It's Portugal also, <laughs> also well. Catholic, also forced to get on, on. Yeah. That's the end of my story. Well, it's amazing how unenlightened soccer fans, not really. <laughs> not, I'm sorry, European football fan. Can't call it soccer. I don't know if they get mad. I don't really care if they get mad. But again, I don't see any racism in American sports and open display. Bands would have their season tickets revoked. Yeah. It would be ostracized. This just doesn't happen in American sports. Why does it happen in European sports? Well, it's racist, not. Okay. It does not openly anyway. Not like, oh my God, how dare you be a different skin? No, American Americans are racist on Twitter or something. They're not racist at the sports game because they don't want to get kicked well, it's out. Hard, yeah, really hard to na nail down a nationality on Twitter. So <laughs> it's impossible. I just call everybody a Russian troll because it's the safest bet. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Guam braces for a hit from Typhoon Maywar as storm heads towards towards U.S. territory. Guam's governor urged residents, residents to stay home and warm the island could take a direct hit from Typhoon Maywar as the storm strengthened on a path towards U.S. territory in the Pacific. Governor Lou Leon Guerrero urged the residents 
resonance in the YouTube message remain. All of them prepared for Maywar, which the weather service said could hit the southern part of the Guam around midday local time on Wednesday. May take a direct hit, Patrick Dahl, lead meteorologist for National Weather Service in Eon, Guam, told the Associated Press. We don't take a direct hit, it's going to be very close. Center of Category 3 storm is about 195 miles southeast of Guam Tuesday, moving northeast at 9 to 10 miles per hour toward Guam, according to the Weather Service. It was expected to arrive at 140 miles per hour Category 4 typhoon. Weather officials said possibly delivering the biggest hit in two decades. The typhoon could cause extensive damage. The governor said she would place Guam essentially in lockdown effective 1 p.m. Lou Leon Guerrero is a woman, apparently. All right. <laughs> Unless you... <laughs> I just said she, so I just look up the name. Unless you're a first responder, you do not have to leave your house. Al said. Okay. <laughs> Patrick Dahl. Is, okay. okay. He's a leading meteorologist. Okay. Different person. Rain from the storms, outer bands was starting to fall Tuesday. The meteorologist. A storm surge of six to ten feet above the normal high tides is expected to go to reach up to fifteen feet. Surface expected to build sharply in the next day or two along the surf and east facing south and east facing reefs. A dangerous surf of 20 to 25 feet. Surfs up. At the Island Grocery and Hardware Store Monday, people were leaving the shopping carts full of canned goods, kit, cases of water, and generators. Cases of generators? The Pacific Daily News reported. The Guam Department of Education was preparing to open emergency shelters Tuesday. Reverend Francis X. Hezel, a Jesuit priest and assistant pastor at Santa Barbara Church in Dedito, was trying to visit people at the hospital before it closed the visitors Tuesday. Before hitting the road, he had trouble finding someone to help him put air in his tires because everyone was busy readying their homes to withstand the storm, he said. Keep air in your tires at all times, my friend. A live, <laughs> I live in a rectory, sorry. I'm I'm just closing the windows, hoping the gusts don't bash them in, praying for the best, I guess. No, you're a religious guy. You're not praying for the best, I guess. This is your religion. Officials warned residents who aren't fully in concrete structures to consider moving to safety. Many homes are made of wood and tin. A triple threat of Cat 4 typhoon force winds, torrential rains, and life-threatening storm surge are all expected for Guam and Rhoda, Budget Service said in a Tuesday morning update. Rhoda, an island in the U.S. Commonwealth of Northern Mariana Islands, was also under a typhoon warning, Dahl said. Trinian and Saipan, the Northern Marianas, were under tropical storm warnings. Some people in those areas could still temper are still in temporary shelter or tents after Category 5 Super Typhoon Utu in 2018. People have been in temporary shelters for five years. They're still there, and they're going to get by another time. Boy, they got some real good building. Most played. Five years in a tent. Guam takes Category 5, 4 or 5 hit every five or seven years. Nature has spared us of late, Dahl said. 
Adding that last direct hit was 2002, so we're way overdue. But the weather gives a crap. Your story. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, dude, when are you gonna like do this? Hello? You're overdue. Yeah, the, the weather don't care. Hey, sitting around, well, it's time to hit Guam. <laughs> oh. I, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Isn't there an island of Guam somewhere? Uh, Wiped out them poor people in tents, and it's been like 20 years. <laughs> All right. And Italian news. Sources at the Italian state broadcaster Rai have accused Gigoria, Gigoria, Gigoria Maloney's right-wing government of wanting to bend the organization to, organization to its will and cancel Italy's anti-fascism footprints after a series of high-profile departures. In recent week, Carlo Fortes resigned as chief executive, citing pressure from the government. While Fabio Fazio, a left-leaning talk show host, and his co-presenter, Luciana Letizetto, a comedian known for her monologues targeting conservatives, left after failing to get their contracts for the popular She Tempo Shefa program renewed. More departures are expected over the coming months. With every change of government, there's a change in governance at Rai, said a source at the broadcaster. The only difference now is that it's more ruthless, whereas before it was perhaps a little bit more, shall we say, Gentlemanly. Ooh, they're being sexist against the fascist lady. That'll get her. Ortiz, who resigned a year before the end of his mandate, was swiftly replaced by the government-nominated Roberto Sergio, a riot manager whose political stance changes with the wind, according to who is in power, a source claimed. The role of director general has gone to GM. Paolo Rossi, a former Rai board member backed by Maloney's Brothers of Italy, a party with neo-fascist roots. Rossi is known for his controversial tweets in support of Vladimir Putin. Ooh, are we looking at a Russian-Italian combo team? Is Italy gonna retake the entire European country? Because hey, we were once Rome, so you guys oh, yeah, are all what? You guys were all once Roman citizens, so you belong to the Italian state. Is that what they're gonna say? Italy was the first fascist government. <laughs> well, Rome was, yeah. Mussolini. Oh, Mussolini, you mean? Okay, yeah. Yeah, he was the first fascist government. Before even Hitler. Donald Trump, oh, he also it also supports Donald Trump and Viktor Orban. In 2019, he said in an interview with Primato Nazionale, a newspaper found by a member of the extreme right group Casa Pound, that anti-fascism is a caricature of the past. I can't believe this is happening. This is so funny to me. Uh, a source with knowledgeable, a source of knowledge of the situation said Rye has always been influenced by governments, but with the current one, there has been a quantum leap. They want to take control of Rye and change the narrative to their way of thinking, and to cancel the anti-fascism footprints of our country. This will mean weakening Rye and the public service. The pressure of Fortes began a few days before the general election last September when he came under fire from Brothers of Italy and the far-right League party after the French philosopher Bernard-Henri Levy criticized Italy's right-wing parties on Bry 3 talk show. The League called for Fortes to be sacked, while Brothers of Italy filed a complaint with Italy's communication watchdog. The parties won the election alongside Silvio Berlusconi's Forza Italia. The coalition took power in October. In his resignation letter, the economy ministry 
Bortes, who had been nominated by the government of the former Prime Minister Mario Draghi, said he refused to accept changes to Rai's editorial line and programming. He added, Since the beginning of 2023, there has been a political conflict concerning me and my position, which is weakening Rai and the public service. Maloney's government faced particular criticism for having allegedly pressured Fortes into departing before the end of his mandate. An inkling of the influence Maloney's leadership might try to exert over Rai's programming emerged in the run-up to the elections when the Brothers of, I- Brothers of Italy officially official Federico Maliacone urged the broadcaster not to air an episode of the globally popular children cartoon series Peppa Pig over the inclusion of a same-sex couple in its cast of characters. Why are Italians acting like gay people don't exist? Excuse me? I'm just saying, the famous stereotype is French and Italian people are super gay, so I don't know we're acting like it's not normal. Brotherly love is totally fine, my dude. Uh, Matteo Salvini, Italy's deputy prime minister and leader of the league, was accused by the opposition of being authoritarian. After celebrating the departure of Fazio and Littizetto with sarcastic Bella Sio, or Bellicia Sio, tweet in reference to the Italian anti-fascist song. Fazio, who had been with Rai for 40 years and over the time had interviewed Mikhail Gorbachev, Barack Obama, and Emmanuel Macron, said the government felt legitimized by its general election victory to behave like the owner of the public sphere with little regard for the public with a boundless greed. Salvini claimed it was Fazio's choice to leave Rai and to sign a new contract with Discovery. Fazio was an asset to Rye, and it was a mistake to lose him, said Gianni Riotta, the director of the School of Journalism at Rome's Luis University. There has always been political influence, but there is a line that government should not be absolutely keen not to cross. Rye should not be homogenous. We need a public service that gives a range of opinions. I'm more, why is like nobody doing anything? I guess the, I guess the EU is just like, oh, not our problem. It's gonna be your problem soon when they decide to conquer the <laughs> all of Europe with the help of Russia. We need to take back our Italian roots. Everyone here is Italian. <laughs> all that has to happen really is the United States elects Trump again. Russia wins. U.S. is gonna pull out of NATO. As soon as that happens, because yeah. Trump is basically at or any of those, any of those fascists that are running the Republican Party, if they, any of them are like, I mean, not all of them are pro-Russia, but a lot of them are like, or they don't just like, I'm in power. Who cares about Russia? <laughs> I'm sorry. Totally unrelated. Okay. Was, was that it? That was that the end. Different? Yep. You're wearing your Gitmo shirt. Cool. <laughs> Gitmo better than this. Okay, a breakthrough deal to keep the Colorado River from going dry for now, according to New York Times article by Christopher Flavel. Arizona, California, and Nevada have agreed to take less water from the drought-strained Colorado River, a breakthrough agreement that, for now, keeps the river from falling so low that it would jeopardize water supplies for major western cities like Phoenix and Los Angeles, as well as for some of America's most productive farmland. The agreement, announced Monday, calls for the federal government to pay about $1.2 billion in irrigation cities and Native American tribes in the three states if they temporary, temporarily use less water. States have also agreed to make additional cuts 
beyond the ones that do the federal payments to generate the total reductions needed to prevent the collapse of the river. Taken together, those reductions would amount to about 13% of the total water use in Lower Colorado Basin, among the most aggressive ever experienced in the region, and likely to require significant water restrictions for residential and agricultural uses. Colorado River supplies drinking water to 40 million Americans in seven states, as well as part of Mexico, and irrigates 5.5 million acres of farmland. The electricity generated by dams on the river's two main reservoirs, Lake Mead and Lake Powell, powers millions of homes and businesses. By drought, but drought, population growth, and climate change have dropped the river's flows by one-third in recent years, compared with historical averages threatening to provoke a water and power catastrophe across the West. California, Arizona, and Nevada get their share of water from Lake Mead, which is formed by the Colorado River at the Hoover Dam and is controlled by the federal government. The Bureau of Reclamation, an agency with the Internet and Interior Department, determines how much water in each of these three states received. The other states that depend on Colorado to get water directly from river, river and its tributaries. It is an important step toward, forward towards our shared goal of forging sustainable paths for the basin that millions of people call home, Camille Kalimilman Houghton. Kalimlim? Person's name is Camille Kalimlim Houghton. Kalimlim. Kalimlim? The Bureau of Reclamation Commissioner says in a in a statement, Camille Kalimlim Houghton. Kalimlim. The agreement struck over the weekend runs through something the agreement structure of the weekend runs only through the end of 2006 26 and still needs to be formally adopted by the federal government at that point all seven states that rely on the liver liver or the river and liver which include colorado new mexico utah and, and wyoming could face deeper reckoning as this decline is likely to continue the negotiations over Colorado was spurred by the crisis. Last summer, the water levels in Lake Mead and Lake Powell, the two largest reservoirs on the river, fell enough that officials fe feared the hydroelectric turbines they powered might soon cease operating. There was even a risk that the reservoir levels would fall so low the water would no longer reach the intake valves that control the flow of the lakes, especially drying up the river downstream. Facing that prospect, the Interior Department last June told the seven states to find a way reduce their water use by two to four million acre feet of water per year. States failed to reach an agreement, even as the water levels in two reservoirs remain dangerously low. That inertia, let's go that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that inertia led the federal government to lay the groundwork for unilaterally imposing cuts in those states, adding to the pressure. The Interior Department said that last month that it might disregard the century-old rules governing which states should bear the brunt of the cuts instead of come up with a different formula. The federal government gave states until May 30th to take position on the prospect of unilateral reduction. But behind closed doors, the Biden administration is negotiating with these states reach a deal to avoid having to impose cuts that would certainly face legal challenges and end up delaying any action. Under the agreement announced Monday, most of the cuts, 2.3 million acre feet, would come under water districts, qualified federal grants under 2022 Inflation Reduction Act. Those payments will total $1.2 billion. 
Another 700,000 acre feet would come from California, Nevada, and Arizona, which agreed to work the cuts among themselves in the coming months. Under the terms of the agreement, as much as 200,000 acre feet of those cuts could qualify for compensation for other federal programs. If the states don't identify those 700,000 acre feet of additional cuts, the Interior Department said it would withhold the water, a move that could face legal and political challenges. Together, the reductions would save 3 million acre feet over the next three and a half years, above and beyond existing agreements. That is far less on an annual basis than what the federal government had demanded last summer. The Interior Department was able to negotiate less drastic cuts thanks to an unusually wet winter that provided the snowpack levels in the Colorado Basin that are far above average, especially in California. As expected, to significantly increase the amount of water in that in the river, at least temporarily. Terms of the deal were described in the New York Times by a senior official in the Interior Department. The structure of the agreement allows the Biden administration to sidestep, for now, the problem which states will take the brunt of the cuts. The Interior Department declined to provide a breakdown showing how much of the 2.3 million acre feet of involuntary federally compensated reductions would come from each state. And finding the additional 700,000 acre feet remains a problem for the three lo lower basin states to solve. As a result, we'll look until recently, like a state against state cage match has reduced an outcome that is more tolerable, has produced an outcome that is more tolerable for the states involved, if not exactly welcome. The deal is also victory sorts of the Biden administration, which has times appeared to unsure how to respond to growth in crisis in the past year, twice set deadlines for the states to come to agreement, which they have failed to meet. The Interior Department said the agreement shows the states are able to work together with the federal government to address the challenge of Colorado's decline. That's about it. That's the story. States working together to divide limited resources. Well, First story. So I guess something positive. Yeah, they're not getting something forced on them that's unmanageable that they can't agree to. Yeah. We'll stop evaporating more. Put it underground. How's that sound? Yeah, put it's in a it. put in a cold place. Put an aquifer. Freeze it, you know? <laughs> Alright. Germany's would-be spies. James Bond was famously given the license to kill by M16 as part of his role as a British secret agent. Today's wannabe spies are more likely to ask for something else. Permission to work from home. A cultural shift that has hit recruitment figures for Germany's intelligence service. The president of the BND, Bundesnachrichtendienst has said finding enough staff was proving difficult as older members of the service retired and left, meaning there were not enough replacements. Bruno Call said we cannot offer certain conditions that are taken for granted today. He described finding enough to, of the right staff as a growing challenge. Perhaps unsurprisingly, given the tales of real and fictional espionage involving the trade calves such as dead drops, brush pass, microdot photography, there's a limited scope for carrying out espionage from your spare bedroom, even in 2023. Remote work is barely possible as the BND for security reasons, and not being able to take your cell phone to work is asking much from young people looking for a job, Call said, according to Reuters. About 6,500 people work for the BND, according to his homepage. The service was founded in 1956 in West Germany during the Cold War and remained intact after reunification in 1989. East Germany's Foreign Intelligence Department, HVA, was wound up. 
It has courted controversy in recent decades for working closely with the U.S. before the invasion of Iraq and for spying on journalists in Germany. Yet, despite the preconception about life in the field, the problem does not appear to be shared by any other intelligence agencies. Its UK counterpart tells potential applicants on its career website that offers flexible working, which means you can work around personal commitments. Meanwhile, the CIA said it has several working groups looking at working from home. Ask Molly Remote Work Dear Molly, nowadays a lot of people are working virtually. Can CIA, for CIA officers work remotely? Dear Remote Inquirer, Thank you for asking. This question seems to come up all the time, especially since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, which shattered traditional preconceptions and norms about how and where people can work. CIA officers are unique in the sense that no matter where they are at, at headquarters or around the world, we primarily work in a sensitive compartmented information facility or SCIF to protect our information sources and methods from prying eyes or those who may want them harm. This means that we may have few chances to work from home or any other unsecured location. For years, CIA has been examining how to address workplace flexibility possibilities in our line of work. I mean, isn't it true that CIA people aren't even supposed to reveal they're working for the CIA at all, right? Of course, keeping security considerations at the forefront, the agency has several working groups dedicated to finding solutions to enhance workplace flexibilities and promote work-life effectiveness for our workforce. Officers can use flexible work schedules and benefit from an increased corporate focus on health and well-being, thanks to the commitment and support of the Director of Central Intelligence Agency's CIA's ever-first Chief Well-Being Officer and employee working groups. So, Remote Inquirer, know that the agency is continuously championing our office's, officer's ability to integrate work and personal needs, all while focusing on our mission, being America's first line of defense. So, there you go. That's a little ask the CIA questionnaire answer there that I, I that was attached to the story, so I just read that out. So, it's very interesting that Germany is German, uh, German people who want to get hired by the spy organization are, Hey, can I work from home? Yeah, sure. Let me just set, set up like a security screen here so you can never leave your room, but at least you're working from home, <laughs> right? Uh, I uh, guess. There's things you can do. Message it. Don't have to. That's all I had. Yeah, that's my story. Okay, in a Russian war, apparently a Russian group is invading Russia. You, uh, an armed group has crossed from Ukraine into Russia, Belgorod region, and clashes have injured a number of people, Russian authorities say. Local governor Vaya Salav Glad- Gladkov said Russian forces were searching for saboteurs who, he said, had attacked Gryvaranovsky district on the, by the border. Putin's spokesman said the Russian president had been informed. Ukraine denies responsibility and said Russian citizens from two paramilitary groups were behind the incursion. Mr. Gladkov said eight people have been hurt, including two people admitted to hospital, their village was shelled, and three people were hit by shrapnel at Tanov Gryvaran. 
Fighting had also damaged three houses in local administrative building. The situation remains extremely tense, he said. The governor said counter-terrorist operation had been launched in the region, giving special powers to authority, including the identity checks and communication surveillance. BBC, which is a story from BBC, Ver BBC Verify has been analyzing footage of the Bel Belgorod region that emerged on social media on Monday. So far, the team has located a video apparently filmed from a drone that features several armored vehicles near the border checkpoint south of Belgorod. Additionally, BBC Ver Verify has delocated footage of helicopters operating in the region. The footage is recent, but it's hard to say for certain from the videos what the exact sequence of events is. Kiev said those behind the ongoing incident were from groups called the Liberty of Russia Legion and Russian Volunteer Corps, the RVC. The Liberty of Russia Legion, a Ukraine-based Russian militia, which says it is working inside Russia to overthrow President Vladimir Putin, said on Twitter on Monday it had completely liberated the border town of Kozinka. It said Ford unit had reached the town of Grevoron, further east. However, Putin's spokesman Dmitry Paskov told Russian news agency that efforts were underway to eliminate the sabotage group and said its purpose was to draw attention away from the eastern Ukrainian town of Bakhmut, which Russian's mercenary group claims to have taken control of after months of intense and bloody fighting. We perfectly understand the purpose of such sabotage to divert attention from Bakhmut direction and to minimize the political effect of loss of another town I can't pronounce. Ah, it's Bakhmut on, by the Iranian side. They call oh. it Artimovsk. Okay. Kiev said it still controls part of the city. Behind those attacks are Russian citizens who are fed up with the actions of the terrorists you see, commented Yarik Sak, an advisor to Ukraine's defense minister, speaking to BBC Radio 4's World Tonight program. He welcomed the developments and pointed to what he called the growing trend of Russian partisan movements, but he said he could not confirm and deny whether his country was harboring or supporting the groups involved. The latest incident comes from comes ahead of a widely expected counteroffensive by Kyiv against Russian forces. Parts of Belgorod and several other Russian regions have come under artillery drone attacks since Moscow launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February of last year. Russia officials have blamed Ukrainian military, although Ukraine has denied responsibility for alleged sabotage acts in Russian territory. In April, Russia accidentally dropped a bomb in the city of Belgorod. Belgorod, sorry, which lies 40 miles north of the border of Ukraine. More than 3,000 people were evacuated from their homes after an undetonated explosive was found days later. So the Russian military has accidentally bombed the city. A Russian separatist group is invading it from Ukraine. And Russia has a border skirmish going on. Your story. In culture news... Students and striking scriptwriters disrupt speech at Warner Bros. Boss in the U.S. Boston University students and striking scriptwriters disrupted a speech that Warner Bros. CEO David Zaslav 
or Zaslav, gave Zaslav. in Boston over the stalled negotiations in the film and TV series world. Since the beginning of this month, scriptwriters in the United States have been on strike. Among other things, they demand higher compensation because of the growing interest in series through streaming. They also want rules on the use of artificial intelligence when creating scripts. Zaslav has come to Boston University to give a so-called commencement speech, a speech which as well-known person addresses graduating student students. He also received an honorary doctorate. Booing. Zaslav is a former student of the university but could not count on a friendly welcome. In front of the location where the event was held, dozens of protesting writers and other trade unions showed solidarity, and inside a large group of students regularly booed Zaslav's comments during his 20-minute speech. He even had to pause his speech several times when a large group of students in attendance began to shout, Pay your screenwriters in unison! During his speech, the boss of the media conglomerate did not comment on the strike. He later issued a short statement by email to news agencies saying he is proud of his university and that he values writers and hopes the strike is soon resolved in a way that the writers feel their value is recognized. There's still no agreement between the writers and the major television studios and streaming services. The last time there was a strike was in 20, 2007. This strike lasted about 100 days, and production of many popular TV series came to a standstill. It is estimated that the cost of the film and television industry more than $2 billion, the equivalent of more than 1.85 billion euros. They've lost that much money, which is three times more than what the writers are asking for, I think is what I saw on Twitter. Due to the year's strike, all major late night shows have already come to a standstill. The first effects are also already visible in streaming series and TV series. For example, The Maker's Handmaid's Tale and a Game of Thrones spin-off decided to temporarily stop shooting. So, that's still going on. The writers are still trying to get their their money's worth after streaming services and AI are threatening their careers. I remember I, I saw a funny post about this on Twitter where, where they were saying, I was dreaming of a future where AI was replacing the boring menial jobs, not the creative mm -hmm. ones that make us enjoy living. <laughs> this is not the future I was hoping for. Why do we need... We, the AI should be doing stuff like making spreadsheets and making PowerPoint presentations, not yeah. <laughs> creating scripts and, you know, yeah. developing, developing like freaking photography scripts. or whatever, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, Re replacing the worst writers with even worse writers. Yeah. <laughs> well, Warner Brothers, again, we need to point out, owns CNN, which is currently trying to turn into a fascist network by promoting Donald Trump. And if you want to go, this was a Boston University commencement speech. Yes. If you want to read it, because maybe I'll read it tomorrow. Uh, Christiana Lampour, world famous reporter at CNN, probably the most legitimate reporter at CNN. Yeah. Christiana Lampour, she took to a commencement speech at Columbia University and tore CNN a new asshole. <laughs> but she's not, she's not going to get fired from CNN. She's too popular. Everybody would walk off the job if she got fired. But uh, she got so much integrity that nobody's going to take her to task. So hopefully CNN fires their news director. But again, they're owned by Warner Brothers. That's the only reason I brought it up. The guy, the guy giving the speech at Boston University is trying to impose fascism on the news industry from the inside. Yeah. Basically. And he hired a guy at CNN to do that, just that. The guy who went from producing the Colbert Report, not the Colbert Report, the, the Late Show. Oh, the, okay. The, the Colbert. 
I think Colbert was glad to see him go. <laughs> but, hey, all right, this ain't history. Yeah. And, and, well, let's go back to the bottom here. In 1430, Joan of Arc was captured by Burgundians, Burgundians near Copiègne, France. Again, I think they turned her over to the British, which is something messed up. 1618, the defenestration of Prague occurred in response to religious persecution, helping set the stage for the Thirty Years' War. In 1706, Allied forces led by the Duke of Marlborough recorded a major victory over the French at the Battle of Ramilles, a turning point in the War of Spanish Secession. Spanish Secession in 1706. 1707, Swedish botanist and explorer Colinius Leninius was born in Rochult, and he is uh, the first to frame principles defining genera and species of organisms and to create Uniform systems of naming them. All good for him. <laughs> he was born in 1707. Came up with some Latin terms or stuff. In 1915, Italy declared war in Austria-Hungary, entering World War I on the side of the Allies. 1934, Bonnie and Clyde were killed in a police shootout near Gibbs... Gibbsland, Louisiana. Bonnie and Clyde killed on this day in 1934. 1980, the horror classic The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's film adaptation of Stephen King's 1977 novel, opened. It starred Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. In 2000, American rapper Eminem released the Marshall Mathers LP, which became the fastest-selling album in the history of rap. In 2015, American mathematician John Nash, who won a 1994 Nobel Prize for Economics, died at the age of 86. And the big event of this today, 1951, Tibet was annexed by China. China formally annexed Tibet as an autonomous region. On this day in 1951, given a rise to the Tibetan independence movement led by the Dalai Lama, winner of the 1998-1989 Nobel Prize. And continues, this domination continues to this day. Nice. Uh, on this day in history, Captain Kidd, English pirate, died in London, England in 1701. Birthdays today, George Osborne, political politician, 1971. 1933, birthday of Joan Collins. 1928, birthday of Rosemary Clooney, American actress and musician, and George Clooney's aunt. <laughs> 1912, John Payne, American actor, was born in 1883. American actor Douglas Fairbanks was born. And what day is it today? Not too many. It's National Lucky Penny Day. Lucky Penny? Also, yeah, also National Taffy Day. So stuff that gets stuck to your teeth. I have a lucky and two pence. Is that, does that count as a penny? A two pence? Uh, it's national, so it's only the United States anyway. So. Oh. Sorry, Queen Elizabeth, you don't count. No, it's going to have lady, it can be have any penny, even before the Lincoln penny. Just any <laughs> old penny. And it's also International Day to End Obstetric Fistula, if you know what that is. 
It's a pregnancy complication having to do with the birth canal. And it's the international day to end that. That's the only three days it is today. Wow. Very limited day of things today. Take a break from the days, I guess. Yeah. Well, pay attention to obstetric fistula if you want me to define it for you. Sure. I shall. Okay. Well, let's go. Let's go and figure out. An obstetric fistula is an abnormal opening between a woman's genital tract and their rectum. One of the ah. primary causes of fistula is obstructed labor. This is also known as labor dystocia. Obstructed labor occurs when an unborn baby is physically blocked from exiting the pelvis. So let's prevent that today. Yeah, thanks. That's my biggest fears. So, <laughs> no, yeah. thank you. All right, that's it then. <laughs> All right, that's been Allison here, uh, hoping that those spies in Germany can work from home someday, and <laughs> hopefully, and Italy doesn't come conquer the entire European region because you know we were once all Roman. We'll see what happens with that. I don't know why anyone's not doing anything. Maybe they are doing stuff. I have no idea. Italy is Hail a very Caesar. worrying thing for me. But also, they're not well-known for military power, so maybe nothing will happen, and just Italians will suffer, which is bad. Still yeah. bad. And I'll Good see job. you tomorrow on Wednesday for more exciting revelations. You bring back the Roman Empire, really, want, huh? Hail yeah. Caesar! <laughs> or Caesar dressing, anyway. And this is Roger, talking about people wasting water, Russia invading itself... And Guam getting nailed by a Category 4 typhoon. Stay safe out there. On May 23rd, 2023 edition of Before Coffee. Be sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons. And follow our other channels. Toxic Alley, History of Gravy, and Scratchy Old Records.